Good morning and welcome to The Home Show with me, Sinead Ryan. Coming up today, moving home, well, don't fret. We'll be giving tips on how to pack and unpack efficiently. We'll be finding out about the process of converting a commercial property back into residential. Architectural historian Emma Galise will be taking us on a tour of the buildings of Queen's University Belfast to finish off our summer series. And the journal's Neve Marr goes back to school shopping and debunks some interiors myths for us. If you'd like to get involved in the show today, you can text us here on The Home Show at 53106 for 30 cent. You can email us here at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. You'll find me over on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. And remember, you can listen live or listen back to the show at any time. All of our podcasts, all of our previous shows up on the Newstalk app, which is powered by Go Loud. Now, for most people, of course, it is back to school time. Not for me. I've been there and done that for more years than I care to remember, as the fellow says. But one of the abiding memories I won't miss is the scramble in the mornings to get school lunches made and ready and trying to pull together nutritious, interesting, tasty food that your kids will actually eat. And to be honest, you know, it's more often a case for me anyway of whatever was to hand. Cheese or meat slapped between two slices of bread and a bit of fruit and some carrot sticks. Nothing fancy. Well, later on, Neve Marr will be here to give us the lowdown, not on the recipes, but on the lunchboxes and accessories uh, that some of them can be a bit fancy, at least. And she always has such great ideas. And I'll be asking her maybe what her favourite sandwich is from her school days. But in the meantime, I'd love to know yours. Was it egg and cress, plasticky cheese slice or butter and jam? Let me know and uh, you can get in touch with us at 53106 uh, or email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com about any aspect of the show and all of our interesting guests uh, today and you're very welcome along this morning. Now, packing up your belongings for house move can be a daunting task filled with, gosh, a lot of emotion and stress. I've done it myself quite a few times. I don't want to do it again. So when should you start to pack? What should you pack first? What you should get rid of? How do you do it? All that. Well, never fear. Joining me this morning are two experts on this subject to talk us through the tips and tricks to make that job a little less stressful. Uh, welcome to the programme. Kim Fitzgerald and Lynn Luxford, co-owners of Assorted Affair, a nationwide company set, uh, specialising in helping people to pack and organise their lives. Yes. <laughs> Do people want you just to move into their house after you visited them? Is we, that we yeah. get that all the time. <laughs> That's actually an option in? on our website. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets clicked an awful lot of times. Okay. Yeah. I, it's a funny old thing because, I mean, however hard it is to keep your house t- tidy and neat, and clean at the best of times when it comes to moving uh, I don't think most of us realise how much stuff we accumulate yeah it's a lot it's all of those little hidden spaces you know like your closet at the back of it the top shelf of the wardrobe where you keep all the kids artwork and cards and all of those places that just sort of get hidden away yeah. um, they're the parts that are tough now when it comes to unpacking and packing for a new house and of course I suppose part of the thing here is if you're moving to a new house the, the trick is to identify stuff that's not moving house with exactly. you isn't Absolutely. that it is that yeah. the hard bit that is the trick like genuinely the amount of when, when everything comes out 
you might have 10 lasagna dishes. Who needs 10 lasagna dishes, you know? know so I you know. don't want to be bringing everything with you. So it's the perfect time to downsize. It's the perfect time to get rid of anything that's just not serving you anymore. The juicer, the spiralizer. I can't tell you how many spiralizers <laughs> have gone there to the There were a lot of, of kind of good thoughts during lockdowns that, you know, oh, I'll get into the sourdough bread and all that, whatever. In me, it was a pasta maker I've never used. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just buy it. It's fine. <laughs> uh, so there is a bit of that. And of course, in a lot of people now, Days maybe merging two households to to become one, yeah, so you absolutely. have you've twice as much as everything. Mm-hmm. How did you guys get started in this business? I had sort of dipped my toe in it anyway. I'd started a similar business myself on my own while working full time and looking after three kids. So it was extremely you didn't have enough to do. Oh, I know. <laughs> but it was a passion project. I just okay. really enjoy it. I really enjoyed giving people that joy back and that mental clarity that comes with after it. Um, and then I was hired to step in for Alwyn on Home Rescue and Kim had been doing that for five years at a, as a clutter buster yeah. and that was it. Like we just sort of got literally locked in a room together. Yeah, organising and... And, and yeah. a shared passion. Absolutely. In, in clearing out people's yeah. lives. And it yeah. was just one of those things that everyone on set constantly said, why are you, how do you not do this for a living, mm. you know? And then Lynn obviously was speaking about her business and the struggles and it's hard, you know what I mean? Like we're both moms, we five little ones between us and we're like, God, two heads would be a lot better than one. And then it just started from there. It just skyrolled. We were permanently locked in rooms, organising and decluttering. And it just cut the conversation flowed. And of course, we were kind of still in lockdown mode-ish, just come out of that. And I think a lot of people had a, a change of heart. I had a previous business as well, which was a dance school and that suffered an awful lot during mm-hmm. The lockdown, we were really left to last to reopen. So I went back and studied interior design and kind of just was trying to find something new. And yeah, it was just, it was the best decision we ever made. I think we just both met each other at the the right right time time in both of our lives. And it just, and and so many businesses just start like that, don't they? You've you've a like minded kind of gap in the market. You find the market in the gap and off you go. Well, listen, you're obviously very busy and you've done it, (laughs) uh, you've done it very successfully. So let's get down to business then. Uh, So people are moving house. Uh, All they can think of is, I have to get a million boxes Mm -hmm. and put everything I own into all the boxes. Yeah. Uh, Now, when I've done it in the past, I've moved home a, f- a few times. Um, I've always done it, tried to do it room by room. Is that something you'd recommend as a start or is there a better way? No, it is the room by room. It does work. Um, but we would always tell people to declutter the room. So rather than just having a box and you're emptying the room into the box, sit with it. Like take everything out of all your presses, your drawers, everything and go through each piece. Now, it might take you a while longer, but just give yourself the few weeks. Don't leave it till the last minute to decide uh, to just throw everything see, in. Yeah. Now, that was my yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That was the morning of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you just okay. end up firing everything into yeah. a box and you're left and with like Are you telling me that was chargers? the wrong approach? Definitely <laughs> the wrong approach. Well, it was definitely the most stressful approach, exactly. I can tell you that. You need okay. to try and spread okay. it out. And there's a lot of things that you can pack well in advance, like seasonal. If you know that you're not going to see Christmas until you get to the new house, start packing Christmas. Start packing, you know, if you're going to be moving in the summer, you're not going to need your winter stuff until you get to the new house, start putting that away. So really make it manageable because like you said, it is really stressful, which is why a lot of people pick up the phone to us now and be like, right, here you go, girls. Knock yourselves out. And we love it because obviously we look at it from a completely different angle to what the average homeowner does. It's it's not just shove it all in a box. And now... It, it strikes me then that the first purchase before the boxes should be labels for the boxes oh, or different 100%. coloured pens. So how do you organise that now? 
we actually have a trick that would work the traffic light system yeah. that we would work during moving so we have red is go green is stay and amber is I'm not quite sure they're just little circle stickers so we would give these to people and say over the next few weeks sort of watch what you're using watch what you're not putting your hands to and then just sticker them all sticker the items yeah. sticker oh, the items right. okay. so red say the spiralizer, for example <laughs> That's not going anywhere. It's not going to no, be touched. You're not using really that. Not. So you no, know no. then that that's not going to need to come to your new home. Okay. Your TV is a green. Like that's coming. You know, there's there's certain things that are really obvious. And then when you get to the likes of the wardrobe and stuff, that's where it can become a bit tricky. Mm. Um, like I'm not sure about that dress, whether I want to bring with me. I haven't worn it. So Isn't there a of, kind of rule that if you haven't worn it in six months, yeah, get, get, you yeah. Know, it's time to that, let it go. That rule did go a little bit out the window because of COVID because yeah. we were all locked up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And there was no need for that, like, you know, okay. long black dress. But yeah, in, in hindsight. So that traffic be. light system then. So could you let the kids then loose in their own room with that? Or that's do they just... Came, that's oh, where it came right. from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do they not just put green on everything? No, no you'd be surprised. Oh, yes. okay. So like when you explain to them you know we obviously you've got a new space and then they might have a playroom or they might be not they may not have a playroom in the new house whatever it may be but when you explain to them like that where the items will go if they put a red sticker on them so they'll go to charity or if they're soft toys they can go to the dogs trust to help all the puppies settle in so oh it's all all those I told my daughter that story and she literally came down with a full black bag of of cuddly toys saving the puppies because that's all she wanted I I showed her a visual I think off Instagram of the puppies playing with the toys and that was it so once you explain to them where it's going I think it really helps them and it's same the same same works for grown charity shops as well I mean I bring my kids to the charity shops with me while I'm doing the donations and so they might give a whole bag of their stuff and they get to pick one thing and then bring it home you know so it's okay. it's a novelty as well Brilliant okay so you can let the kids loose with their and kids love stickers anyway don't Absolutely. they they just love sticking things on the stickers <laughs> and the stickers on the stickers exactly. yeah. yeah although I see some of them would <laughs> Gwyn had the red and an amber and a green because they can't make up their mind. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, okay, so, but okay, that's the kids' own stuff. Now, I think the hardest thing to start delving through and getting rid of in particular is stuff your kids have given you. Yeah. So all those little mm-hmm. painting, finger paintings from primary school and kindergarten and the little kind of their first blanket and their first shoes and all that. Like, you do want to keep it and yet a part of your brain is saying, ah, would you go way out of that? You yeah. know, What's your approach now on this? We have two different approaches. Oh, right. Okay. Right. I'm the keeper and Kim is like, like, no. Yeah. Okay. So I dedicate memory boxes to each of the kids. So we have, you know, even just your clear plastic lidded boxes. You get them in Ikea, Mr. Price, whatever. Label them up with, with each kid's name and keep the really important stuff. And every so often you can pull it out and go through it. My kids love going through them. It might mm. only come out once a year, but they love going through it. And then you might find like the odd piece of artwork where you're like, I don't really need that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that can go. They didn't turn out to be the next Picasso no, after all. Exactly. But you can take pictures on yeah. your phone now of these pieces of art. You can save them to a drive on a folder that you can just literally click through. You don't need to have the actual piece you're creating what's that the NFTs the virtual art exactly. that's all the rage exactly ah, okay. so you're the keeper keep it sentimental keep yeah. the stuff but keep it in separate boxes labelled with the child's name and actually mm-hmm. that's a great way because yeah. it's not all a mishmash then in the attic no it is um, Kim you have a different approach no <laughs> no, I do agree I would just have a lot less probably yeah, right. um, so when it comes to things like you know cards so christening cards communion cards birthday cards first, second, third, fourth yeah, fifth don't birthday don't keep them all Hazel all another girl okay. who we work with she her rule is Nana's grand 
and as godparents, they're the only ones she keeps. Yeah. Everything else goes okay. or gets recycled because there's just no need. You're not, it, with the best intentions, you are not going to sit, I don't know, in 10 years time and look You're through all the cards. You're absolutely right. I think for one, at least one child, I have every single card they got when she was born to say, oh my God, new baby is blah, 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 blah. And I've never, I probably... <laughs> to kind of photograph when he was five I think exactly <laughs> um, but actually I I don't I've never taken them I've never looked at them no. yeah. and yet there's something compelling me not to get rid of them I've no idea what that is yeah. neighbours yeah. that I can't even remember who they are who exactly. put a card through the letterbox yeah. that kind of thing and baby clothes like a lot of people do tend to hang on to them and this is the thing when you move house the attic I mean, you, Lord knows what's up there, to yeah. be honest, you know. And you yeah. have kept Always maybe every vest and every sock that they've worn. There's just no need. There's fantastic places where they can be Do you get clients who to. do that? They keep all of their stuff? Yeah, yeah, we did have one. Her son was 11 and then she eventually got rid We were like, I think it's time. <laughs> she was brilliant in the end. And all she the did, socks. And she the did shoes. get rid of the socks and the vests <laughs> and the baby row. She kept one or two that had okay. significant kind of meaning, but the rest got donated to a really, really good cause. And I think kind of explaining where these things are heading off to really does yeah. help. Okay, brilliant. All right. Now, are you so you you of course, you guys won't need the resources of a moving company or, you know, people who come in and do this for you. But is it a good idea if you're just it's all too much and it's all overwhelming even if you're only kind of going down the road and you're not moving country and mm-hmm. Yeah. We is it a good idea? That. We get people that are moving 5 minutes away, but it's just a lot of people are renovating. A lot of people have gone through the buying process which is really tough at the minute as well. So by the time you've actually gotten around to packing up the boxes and leaving, you're so stressed at that Mm. point and so tired and ready to just throw in the towel, which is what ends up happening. Everything just gets shoved into a box and we'll sort that out in the new house. Um, And it it doesn't move. It could sit up there. What what was the last client we had? How long was our boxes? Two years, I think, in the spare room. Two spare rooms and boxes were still So this is the thing. So let's move on then to the unpacking, to the moving Mm -hmm. to the new house. And I know people, I know people, one of them is in this studio, (laughs) 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 who has boxes. Uh, I moved into my house three and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. And there are boxes of mainly framed photographs and pictures that were like I don't know where to put this I I no longer want that kind of wall of fame of children growing up the walls you know there's four of them now Um, and and that's far too much and you know we're not really that interested anymore so what do you do like you don't really want to throw them out maybe maybe the trick is to take them all out of the frames and keep them in a separate album would that be the thing yeah absolutely and donate the frames pass them on if you're not going to reuse them or or DIY upcycle them whatever they're definitely not good enough okay um yeah, it's great having someone like us though in your corner because, like like that with those frames, for example, you're just like, oh, I'll put them in a box and I'll think about it again. I don't have time to think about it now. I'll yeah. sort them out another time. You force. We'll that make you look at that right, and okay. say, oh, do you really want to take these over? What about we take them out of the frames? What about we file them? You know what I mean? Brilliant. We'll give you and, and actually just helps that decision and, and takes some of the guilt away. Then maybe for some people who said, oh, I can't bear to touch them, but yeah, I don't want them. Yeah, we've we've not got that emotional attachment mm. to them, so it's just a real simple question for us, you know, and it just makes you go and you just answer. It's like five, four, three, two. One, what's yeah. the answer? Okay. You know that kind okay. of way. And, and sometimes that gut instinct is the best. Yeah, and okay. so many people as well. Like a lot of people are moving, and they're coming from parents' houses. They've moved back home to save. You know, so a lot of this stuff has been mm. in containers or storage. So that's why they're not touching them. They okay. really don't want to go there. So you've pulled up in the van outside your new house, mm-hmm. and you are now have to do the same thing in reverse. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what's the first place to start? Okay, Kitchen. yeah. And you need this. The, you need the box that sits beside you in the car. So you need the kettle, 
the tea bags, the coffee, the mugs, <laughs> the chargers. Okay. You know those Good items idea. you think of the mammoth task of, I don't know, like could be 50 boxes, could be 500 boxes, who knows, depending yeah. on the house. And you just want a cup of tea. You've gotten to your new house. The first Good thing you want idea. to do is maybe light a candle, you know, get it smelling like your own home. Maybe you want the cleaning products to hand. It depends on what, what it is you're doing, whether you're doing it all yourself. So I would say, we would always say, pack a box and have it on the front seat or in the boot that's of your, your car. Don't let it go in the in. van. Yeah. Right. That's not the one if the spiralizer made it to the final cup. It's that not it doesn't be go in there. there. <laughs> right. Definitely not. But you're going to want a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or the coffee machine. Okay, so an emergency immediate box Absolutely. and pack your obvious stuff. So you're not saying what box is the kettle in and you're looking at whole stack of them the same goes for clothes you know when you're packing up wardrobes especially if there's if you have a big family just pack yourself enough for a week or two in In separate boxes and then at least you know the rest of the clothes can take their time that you've got enough for the immediate future yeah because most people take a few days off if they're moving into a new house and as long as you can find kind of something to wear for the next few days okay so maybe a suitcase or something for that brilliant okay Um, that is an absolutely uh, super idea and um, any other tips now finally for our listeners uh, if they're entering into this process labels like just write on the box but like get real nitty gritty like you know write the child's name whether it's going into drawers in their their wardrobe whether it's going you know like get really nitty gritty not just Mary's box yeah exactly that's no good like you know Poppy's bedroom that's great but like let's try and so you know do you know what I'll take those two boxes that say Poppy's drawers and I'm going to pop them I'm going to unpack the drawers you know rather than opening the box and just not knowing where you're going with it maybe the wardrobes aren't finished maybe the bed isn't made so there's no point in unpacking the bedding so just kind of get really into the detail when you're labelling All right, labels 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 (laughs) labels and lists (laughs) is not the way to go All right, now ladies where can people find out more about you and your business so you'll find us on Instagram at Assorted Affair and then our website is www.assortedaffair.ie And actually you have lots of befores and afters oh, which would yeah. be the envy of everybody. Absolutely. Yeah, There's loads of content, yeah. loads of tips and then we yeah. also have an online shop with, with some products and stuff like that. And we also, if anyone is moving and needs some tips, like feel free to reach out right. and ask us Brilliant. some questions. All right. Okay. Well listen, Kim Fitzgerald and Lynn Luxford of Assorted Affair. Thanks a million for joining us on the Home Show this morning. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. And still to come now on The Home Show, architectural historian Emma Galise will be in studio taking us to Belfast for a tour of QUB as the third in our summer series of the Queen's University. So stay tuned. We'll chat to you in a few moments. And you're very welcome back to The Home Show here on News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan with you till the top of the hour. Before the break, I was chatting to Kim and Lynn about the process of unpacking and packing and moving home and all that and I have to say it was a lot less stressful than that occupation can be so you can listen back to that if you want if you have any comments eh, for us do get in touch at 53106 that'll cost you 30 cent or email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com Now as part of our uh, three-part summer series into the Queen's Universities in Ireland. I'm delighted to welcome back architectural historian Emma Gleese to studio uh, to talk about the third in the line. And Emma, I haven't been to this university. I haven't visited. So I've only looked at the pictures and it looks absolutely beautiful. We are, of course, talking about Queen's University Belfast. Yeah, it's a gorgeous campus. And yeah, I'm like you. We forget that Belfast is up the road and... Uh, and again, in keeping like the other universities we talked about, uh, it's a very Victorian uh, building around a green quadrangle and it's really impressive. And again, it's very Victorian and it's very uh, of its time. 
Yeah, it's absolutely stunning. And that the Gothic towers and the very kind of crenellated kind of tops of the of the uh, towers um, make it very imposing looking. So it does look like an academic campus. It does, yeah. And, and straight away, when I think of Queen's anyway, I think of the Lanyon building and that's the real centrepiece. So that's when we all think of it's the sandstone and red brick, like I said, crenellated parapets and, and turrets. And again, this... Ruskin, uh, this John Ruskin idea of of the building reaching towards the sky and really uh, elevated form of of architecture, while also harking back to the medieval universities of England, it was kind of taking that architectural style um, to to Ireland. It was like that that metaphorical thing of reaching for the stars and you know lofty thoughts and all yeah, of inspiring that. all yeah. the students that walk through its doors. So that's um, or or frightening the life out of or them. frightening. Like you better do well. Um, so again, yeah, that uh, opened the same time as the two campuses in eighteen forty nine, and it's named after its architect Charles Lanyon. And the designs are drawn up by his assistant, William Henry Lynn, that you'll hear again later. OK, all right. Well, we'll wait for that now. <laughs> uh, the library here, the Lynn Library, is absolutely beautiful. There's a touch of the long room there is of it, Trinity, with the wood, isn't there, really? So describe it to us. Yeah, so again, they're very nice names. They're buildings after the architects. So that the Lynn building is named after uh, William Henry Lynn. Uh, it was completed in 1868, but the actual the book, the collections go back to 1448. Wow. And it's um, it's one of the only the only um, universities that had a specially made um, library for it. So, again, like you said, the, the panelling in the wood, it's really impressive. And the library would have originally had these lecterns that you stood, like 10 of them to read your book. But obviously, as they amassed more books, they couldn't do this. So they actually used those lecterns and turned them into the, the bookshelves inside oh, right. the, okay. the Lynn Library. Oh, it's beautiful now. And such a history with it. I imagine even walking into that room and it, the patina on the furniture and the walls and probably the smell that you get when you're in there is just something you couldn't replicate in a modern building. Yeah, like I said, it's like the long room library. It's it's um, you can feel its age. And like I said, it's stunning that the, the open beams that the um, the hammer beam truss, um, when you look up, it's just it's just a stunning building. It's somewhere you could bring maybe a Harry Potter fan to, a small child. And, you know, Definitely, it's, and it really smacks of Hogwarts, yeah. Hogwarts like the whole place. OK, that's brilliant. Now, what we there is more modern, of course, like all universities that have been around for hundreds of years. You're kind of this mishmash of, of architectural styles. But one of these, it's not for everybody, I adore Art Deco. It is absolutely my favourite period. And this building, which is called the David Keir building, have I got that mm, right? Yep. Um, talk to me about that because I don't think it was built in the Art Deco period. No, it's a bit later and it is hard to put um, a, a style on it. So it's um, not, designed up, drawn up in 1951, opened 1959. Like I said, it has this very um, uh, neo-Georgian Art Deco and it's beautiful because uh, the Red brick harks back to the Victorian buildings. Mm. So it is having a conversation with that, but it also has this uh, really funky break front in the front with a, a clock. I love a building with a clock. And um, and it, it nearly, um, it, it's remin- reminiscent of a, of a Georgian terrace, like you read it as one um, block. And it, it, it's a very muscular building. And that building houses um, aptly the, the School of Architecture Planning and build environment and psychology. So it's a it's a 
it's a fabulous building for them to be studying. Yeah, and, and they have these rounded kind of porticos up the side of it. And also, even the windows here are so carefully designed of that period, even though it was obviously 50 years later. But you can see kind of little cross hatching in them. And uh, I, I don't know what you call these, the, the way you get these little blocks within the windows. Um, and they're just beautiful. The whole thing looks balanced. Yeah, and it's really showing off it's like, you know, everyone knows brick is difficult, like we're going to do curved walls with this brick, right? This is how good yeah. we are. <laughs> oh, it's a little bit showing it's off. A little bit showing off oh, okay. was beautiful. Okay. Well, it's lovely. I'd be happy with those curves on my brick walls. Uh, okay, now right up to date then, um, we have the Maclay Library. Yeah, so uh, again, this looks uh, a lot older than it is. It's, it was opened in July uh, 2010 um, by uh, the late Seamus Heaney who went to that college. Um, and again, it, it's it's, a, it's harking back to this um, a neo-Gothic uh, um, building with the towers reaching up towards the sky and in the brick and the stone. Um, but also it, it, it's such a light building and, and it's it was the start of the, the college is trying to be very sustainable and a very uh, low energy buildings. And this was the first of that. And inside this building, there's um, a C.S. Lewis room because C.S. Lewis oh. was born in Belfast. And there's a replica of the wardrobe door used in the film, um, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe wow. that you can go through. And uh, there's all um, glass panelled with, with engravings from the book. And there's a, a huge uh, carpet of Aslan on the floor. So uh, you can apply for um, a, vis- a visitor's form a week in advance. You can go into the library and look at this beautiful uh, room to see us. How wonderful. And I'm certain they probably have all the first editions as well <laughs> of, of his books. OK. Uh, and there's there's the building continues. There's new buildings coming on stream. Yeah. So uh, the latest building uh, is the new uh, student centre uh, for all the students and the staff. Uh, it was designed by Harkins Brown and RRP Architects in Belfast. And I rang them yesterday and the staff haven't even moved in yet. So the brand spanking new building will be open for all the students um, next month. And it reminds me of um, like a kind of LinkedIn or Facebook. It's kind of a co-working environment, mm. um, which is very democratic and using that central staircase to sit and be a social spot and make that the main feature. And again, with these um, steel eye beams, it's kind of harking back again to the open wooden beams of the Lynn Library ah, and okay. uh, and the Lanyard Building, which I really like. I like that it's it's modern and, and a glass building, but it's harking back to its so, older neighbours. So it's kind of a campus then that is all tied together and exactly, empathetic. Yeah. The buildings are empathetic to each other, even though they're spanning hundreds of years. Oh, yeah, they're beautiful. Like there's over 300 buildings on this campus and, and 24,000 students. So it's, it's, a, it's a huge building to house them all. Um, but they've they've wonderful facilities, and I can't wait to go up and visit oh, that building. Well, do you know what? Months. You've absolutely now made me want to <laughs> go up and visit that, and I'm I'm sorry that I haven't done it to date. Past uh, pupils, famous past pupils include President Mary McAleese, Seamus Heaney, as you pointed out, Paul Muldoon, and Philip Lark, and maybe there was something of the poetry about it that inspired them all. And Liam Neeson uh, <laughs> was also an alumnus of QUB. Um, Listen, Emma, as always, thank you so much for bringing us that. It's been a lovely series, actually, and I think our listeners have really enjoyed it. And we must have you back now uh, to discuss maybe some of the other universities and colleges that, of course, abound at this time of year and everybody's thinking about them. But in the meantime, architectural historian Emma Gleese, thank you very much for joining us on The Home Show this morning. Thanks, Janice. 
Now, if you're considering converting a commercial building into a residential property, we have everything you need to know. Uh, Joining me with this intriguing idea is Charlotte Sheridan, President of the Royal Institute of Architects in Ireland, to take us through the process. Charlotte, you're very welcome along to The Home Show. Thank you very much, Sinead. I'm delighted to join and thank you for the invitation. Now, this scheme, this whole Cree Conaghe Towns scheme, which includes lots and lots of things we've previously spoken about on the show here, uh, such as the um, vacant, the derelict homes grant, which is very, very generous, 30 or 50,000 in some cases, to take a derelict, I think it's mainly a rural kind of cottage they're going for here and then doing it up. Um, but this other idea, which is also within this whole Housing for All government initiative, is the idea that uh, you've lots and lots of main streets in towns and villages with maybe a boarded up building that used to be a hairdresser or a butcher's and converting it back into living space. Talk to me a little bit about what's what's planned in this area and what can be done. Yeah, um, it's a really interesting topic. And I suppose from the point of view of architects and the work that we do, um, as you know, Sinead, um, we, the RII, the Institute of Architects, we're the home of architecture and architecture is all about creating spaces and buildings. And I suppose if you consider the spaces between the buildings and what makes those places vibrant, and it's really all of those uses and activity that's happening on the edges of the street, but it's also the sense of security that you have, that you get from passive surveillance, from people living on the street and living over the shop, looking out. And where we get vacancy, that sense of um, security and that sense of um uh, vibrancy is lost and so something like this scheme is a really great step in the right direction to bring back that um, vibrancy and life back into town centres and so this this scheme it's a, it's a really good um, opportunity to convert um, in some instances um, potential investors might consider the reuse of an existing commercial use and live over the shop and there's plenty of of scope in that area as well. But where that isn't viable, people might consider the reuse of those um, commercial spaces to residential use. And with the right design approach, that can be integrated very well, but quite readily. Um, And so this scheme allows that, allows funding towards that. And uh, you look, anybody who's watched American or dramas or, you know, Sex and the City loves that idea of the Greenwich Village loft or the Soho mm-hmm. kind of conversion of warehouse spaces. And they were massively on trend, very expensive, it has to be said. Uh, our own, I suppose, conversions are more modest. But tell me what's involved in taking a space that used to be a commercial building. I mean, presumably in one sense, it's very straightforward. You've plumbing in, you have structure in what would be involved from from a design or architectural point of view to to make that a, a home yeah well um i suppose the important thing in the first instance i suppose is getting the right advice and I, we would always recommend that you um approach your um, local registered architect or architect whose work that you you enjoy and work through your brief so the thing to do is i suppose existing structures they're there they already have fixed dimensions and you want to use it for contemporary living. So I suppose the first thing that you need to do is really understand the structure, understand the spaces that you have, what is it that you're trying to create, what are the priorities for you, um, and uh, as well as that too, the very thing that's attracting you to this building is more than likely the, period, the, the features, the thing that's giving a character, and so you want to ensure that you retain all of that because 
that in itself is really um, really adds to the value of your place and your enjoyment of the place. So uh, the, the process really is to engage early and get that design advice, but also the technical advice that would go along with that. And I suppose you need to have that um, vision of what it is that you want to achieve, what type of home you're trying to achieve. And in fact, um, when we consider the impact of COVID and the potential for people working at home, those kind of commercial spaces can readily adapt to a home work office space, you know, so that might be the most appropriate use for the ground floor and you have living over um, and sleeping above that again. But they're the kind of things that, that, that you might consider. Um, in fact, um, the RIAI in 2020, we've produced a really interesting, which I think your, your listeners will be very interested in looking at. It's a publication, it's a digital publication, Old House, New Home. And that provides a really good explanation to people of what the process is in bringing homes from vacancy right through to uh, contemporary living while maintaining the character, but also the craftsmanship and all of those things that come with historic properties. And I think what's really good about this publication as well, that the case study projects, they, they demonstrate all different sizes of properties, different conditions and characteristics as well as locations. There's the village, the town, um, and then some rural settings as well. Well, give us an example then of case studies of people who have done this or are planning to do this. What kind of premises are being converted into what kind of homes? Yes, um, there are a number of them. I mean, in, in some of the, the, the examples, there's a shop has been retained on the ground floor and the upper floors have been converted to two apartments, for example. Um, some of these might just have one one um, dwelling above the shop as well. And in that kind of situation, you need to engage with the statutory processes where you where you need to have the um, compliance with your fire safety access, disability access. That's where you're retaining the, the, the public access element. But where you're converting to a residential property, um, of course, you comply with building regulations um, and that area. But there aren't necessarily the requirements um, uh, to comply with, to, to prepare a fire safety certificate. All right, Charlotte Sheridan, president of the RIAI. Thanks a million for joining us on the Home Show this morning. And you're very welcome back to the Home Show here on News Talk. Yes, it is that time of year when everybody is heading back to school. Uh, And of course, if you have little ones in your family who are doing that, well, then one of the things that you will be looking forward to, I have no doubt, is making all of those school lunches first thing in the morning. Well, do not fear. We have help on hand, not with the recipes, but certainly with the lunch boxes (laughs) and the flasks and everything. Definitely not with the recipes. (laughs) Neve Marr, Creative Director with thejournal.ie. Thanks a million for for coming in. You've been off shopping. I have. I've been off getting back to school ready, even though <laughs> school is a distant memory for me at this point. It's an exciting time of year. I always remember the back to school buzz. And I think that 
getting new stuff, like obviously not every year because you're trying to be sustainable, but getting the good quality stuff at the mm. beginning of the year, I think it just makes everybody's life a little bit more exciting, especially it for the kids. Is. And there's this I kind of shiny new shoes and a yeah. new uniform. And then, you know, you don't want to dig out last year's tatty old lunchboxes no. and school bags. So. And the smell of new pencil cases and stuff. It, it just gets yeah. you ready to learn. Exactly. Yeah. And it kind of softens the, the message about, yes, no, you have to go in every single day. <laughs> I know, exactly. So we've had you look at some uh, items that would help with all that kind of lunch making and back to school and all that kind yeah. of thing. L- give us an idea because I know you're into very much into sustainable items here. Absolutely, and, yeah. Um, I've got a few. very important. I've so. got a few different things. Um, obviously, lunch is so important uh, and I think that there are really fun and innovative ways that you can you know make it a fun time for kids as well I don't know about you Sinead but when I was in uh, school I wasn't a big fan of the sandwiches that my mother made for me I'm sorry now I'm calling out my mother on this but the thing is I've seen a lot of people on TikTok now who are making lunchtime a really fun enjoyable experience for their kids and one of those is creating bento box lunchbox ah. so and actually you know what there's lots of kids out there I one of them one of mine uh, couldn't bear for years and years to have food touching on a plate well see this is the thing so the whole point of a bento box is that it's the compartments on it so you can get lots of different variations you can get them on Amazon the one that I gave you for an example had four compartments and the whole point of it is it actually harkens back to the Japanese bento box which was I mean first around in the 5th century so going back a very long way works for them exactly and it would carry compact meals for people going out fishing and hunting and the whole point of it was to have a balanced variety of food which still stands up today because it's always about you know having a nice snack that people are excited about but also having something healthy in a bento box obviously it's usually rice and then a meat and a protein um, and I think obviously with the compartments that are available on offer now you can very comfortably fit a sandwich mm. fruit uh, few, you know, a few biscuits, carrot sticks carrot or, sticks celery yeah. anything like that and because it's not going in a soft bag it stays fresh and whole exactly and you can get plastic ones that are kind of on the 14 euro mark and then of course you can go up and get metal ones which are a lot more durable a lot more sustainable and they will last longer in the long run very well insulated easy to clean easy to wipe obviously dishwasher friendly and you're good to go and I think it actually just makes it an exciting thing to open up a lunchbox you've got so many different compartments it's colourful and you're not digging in your school bag looking for the smushed sandwich And, and I mean there are children out there who can be very particular about food and they want to eat maybe all of the grapes completely before they move on to the next item. Not just kids. I mean, I'm still like that to this very day. My husband always says it's an interesting thing on my dinner plate. I will leave the thing that I don't like until very last. He thinks it's a weird quirk, but I just don't like to eat it first and I just leave it to last. Whatever. I I can do that very comfortably with a bento box. Okay, that's a great idea. So a bento box, you found those online. I'm sure they're available uh, in in some Everywhere, yeah. I saw some really good options on Amazon, but you can really get them. Just type in bento box and you're set. And you'll come up with a load. Great. Okay. What else do you have for me? Um, so staying in the lunch arena, we actually wanted to talk about a reusable silicone sandwich bag. So this is potentially for somebody who, you know, isn't a big fan of a lunchbox or if you're giving lunchboxes to your kids and they always come back 
untouched or everything spills out anyway and you actually just want to give them a sandwich bag but you don't want to be using plastic sandwich bags mm, every mm. single day. So I got these on littlegreenshop.ie which is a nice Irish website. 14 euro 50. It's complete. It's like they're basically defined as a complete crowd pleaser. They are 100% pure silicon. They're dishwasher, microwave safe, free, uh, freezer and fridge friendly as well and they're endlessly reusable. So you can put a sandwich in there. They stand as well which oh, is great. great. And you don't even have to use them for lunches. You can just put pretty much anything and they work at the airport as well if you wanted yeah. to put your products into them as well. But it's just a different variation on giving your kids plastic sandwich bags every day mm. which then you don't reuse really so you just chuck it, them in the exactly, bin. Exactly, exactly. And it's such a waste. Actually, that sounds like a great idea yeah. for adults taking their taking their food into, into work. Okay, um, now what else do you have? So sticking with the reusable theme, um, this was something that I found so interesting because it is completely new and nothing that was around when I was in school. So it's a reusable notebook. Um, Amazon has pegged it as the world's first endlessly reusable notebook. So it's 32 pages. You use a pilot, you know, like one of those pens that you use on an iPad or something. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you can wipe it clean entirely. So, and just start it again. And then whatever you do write with this notebook, you can then upload to anything. Like if you're giving it to your kids, they can come with you and they'd be like, I need this page saved, this page saved. And you can see, I've got a notebook in front of me here. I go through notebooks. Ah, me like too. There is me no too because tomorrow. there's something about physically writing it. I need um, to write something down. Yeah, and you kind of nearly organize it in your head better rather than rather than on a screen. Absolutely. Yeah. And think about the amount of paper weight that your kids will produce in a year of school. Imagine so not y- having that. So you're using handwriting with this with the oh, stylus. Yes. You're yeah. wi- you're writing on it. So like it, it gives you the same feel of writing something. Okay. So for example, if your children really like to learn that way. I know for me when it came to study I literally needed to read whatever paragraph it was and mm. then write it down for it to go into my brain or else it would just go completely over the head. So this would be great for that. But at the end of the day, it would be a really good investment to just not have to deal with the amount of notebooks that are yeah. that are coming yeah. back. You yeah. could buy a couple of them. And they're very reasonably priced at 41 euros. So it's not like the tech that you think is going to... It's not to, like a laptop or a PC. It's not like a laptop. It's not okay. going to break the bank. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Okay, reasonable notebooks. Um, and uh, now backpacks. So the <sighs> school bag. It's a big part of uh, going to school and seeing what everybody else has. And I know that a lot of the Disney themes, whatever the cartoon of the day is, there's a lot of that. Uh, what have you found for oh, us Oh, backpacks now? are so fun, aren't they? Mm. I remember when I was in... And they're great for holidays. They double up, don't they? Yeah. Absolutely. We're going to go kind of with um, younger kids for this one. So I think the backpack for younger kids is a real statement piece. I think it makes them feel like they've entered the world and this is my property. There's usually absolutely nothing of value in them but that doesn't matter. They're really excited about their backpack. So I found a really nice option on very.ie, $23.99 and it's an animal backpack. I mean, you can't Mm. get better than an animal backpack. So this comes in giraffe or snow leopard, depending on your mood. So I I quite like that one. I thought it was really fun. It's durable polyester, so it's very easy to wipe clean. We know how mucky these things can get. It also comes with a lunchbox and a pencil case set as well. Wow, okay, so that's super handy. You're fully sorted then. Brilliant. Okay, and that's very, how much? $23.99. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Okay. Now, what's on your list next now? Oh, so this was something that um, I wanted to talk about, which actually, if you are spending money on back to school for your kids and you're thinking about potentially kids who can't afford anything, UNICEF have a really good 
system at the moment, which basically you can buy a back to school kit and it's €14.99. But when I tell you, if you go onto the UNICEF website and you see it provides a child in need with essential school supplies, including a backpack like we were talking about, 20 exercise books and two boxes of pencils, among other things. So it's a great way if you've got 15 euro lying around, you've done the whole back to school stuff for all Mm. of your kids and Mm. you just want to give back a bit. I think it's nice because back to school supplies are so important. They make the child feel like they're really, you know, at the ready. And I think it's a really nice thing for UNICEF to do. And I know um, along with that, Oxfam also do, you know, you can buy school supplies for children as well in in poor countries. And it's a lovely idea when you're owner back to school, if you have a a little bit of extra money. Now, while I have you here, Neve Marr from the journal.ie, I wanted to talk a little bit about some interior design. um, and, And I came across... Um, we have so many designers in here, you know, fantastic interiors people and they're just always really great ideas. But it seems to me that there are some myths floating around out there mm. about the right way and the wrong way. Now, to me, the right way to design your house is the one you want to live in. Yeah. But there are people who kind of get stressed out. Can I do this? Can I do that? What should I be doing with this room or that room? Uh, so you've been taking a look at some of the myths that have built up around interior design. And yeah. I think the first and the foremost for me has to be this idea, which I kind of ignored completely when I was doing my house, of, of painting a small room bright white. Yes. That art gallery look because you have to let the light in, you have to have it nice and bright. I painted mine a kind of a midnight blue. Oh nice. Which is already kind of a north facing room. Mm -hmm. It's not very big but actually it's kind of done the opposite. Yeah. It's made the walls look more recessed or deeper. Well, there you go. It's it's adding that depth and the depth of field. And I think it's so interesting talking about myths because when it comes to interiors, like I know the white for small spaces was something that I grew up with. Like I always thought that everything needed to be white in order to create space. But actually it, it can wash things out. And mm. that's why I think as well, there's so many varieties of white that people have now for paint, because actually the bright white is not necessarily a good look. You're then left with, like you said, a huge almost gallery wall that you would find in a museum that's stark, can actually be really cold mm. as well. Mm. And similarly to you, I actually painted my downstairs bathroom, which is a very small uh, space, uh, a very dark green colour. Mm. The ceilings and everything. I was just like, look, if I'm going to paint it. I'll just create a fifth wall up there and create the whole thing. And uh, yeah, it added a sense of depth, which yeah. I think, you know, if you're talking to the pros, that's that's what they say, you know, that it, it can actually make it seem like the walls are pushed out more. So yeah. try and go against those myths. And I mean, obviously doing a bit of research online and Googling things is good as well. But don't just think white is the way to go, because actually you have to design more when you just have a white room. All right. Neve Amar, uh, creative director of Journal.ie. Thank you you very much for all of that inspo and um, listen it won't be back to school for you but it is always an education when you come on the home show and we're delighted thanks a million and that is all we have time for this week on the home show if you'd like to get involved if you have a question for us or you'd like a topic that you'd like to hear us cover on the show well why not get in touch like Kim and Lynn did at the top of the show and let us know what it is you do and why you would like to come on the show we'd love to hear from you you can text us here 53106 for 30 cent or even Email the show during the week at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. And don't forget to check out our podcast, which is up on the Newstalk website. Thanks to Maurice O'Sullivan, who is producing with Stephen McLoon and Peter Malloy on sound. Anton Savage is up next. Have a fantastic weekend. And remember, we'll be back here on Saturday at eight o'clock.